One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time, screen Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's six, and Kenny, he's three. And I have three kids, Tony is 12, ah! and Libby and Nate are eight. They are super adorable. Before we start our super adorable stories, I am going to apologize, listeners, if you hear some interference in the background in like true mom fashion. I am also on hold with Disney World right now. So hopefully you can't hear it. Fingers crossed. I'm going to do my best, but I've already been on hold for so long. I just got to keep it up. Um, I'm sorry that you're going through this. What a pain. So we like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are. Because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. What have your children done that is adorable or not this week? Oh my gosh, Deborah! I did the most fun thing last weekend. I went on a solo trip with just Jay. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was kind of revelatory because... I think when you have younger kids, you realize how grown the older kid is becoming, Mm -hmm. but you almost experience it as an afterthought because you're still so occupied with like the day to day of the younger sibling. Mm -hmm. So it was just so fun to realize what a little like human he is. And, you know, we went. We drove to Tallahassee, which is like a pretty significant drive, and we went to see a musical together, and he stayed up late, and he did great, and he didn't fuss or complain, or like, other than getting tired, he paid attention, it was great, and then the next day we went to a museum, just the two of us, it was so fun. I cannot recommend this highly enough if you get the opportunity. I know it's hard and rare to get the opportunity to be solo with one kid when you have more than one, but... I just found it to be so wonderful. Yay, that is awesome. Did you stay in a hotel too? We did. We stayed in a hotel overnight. He stayed up crazy late. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That sounds great. Really fun. <laughs> did Kev, did um, Kevin and Kenny had a good time on their own? I think so. They played a lot of Minecraft. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> How about you? What have your kids been up to? Um, I picked up my phone this morning and I went to the browser app and there was like a search thread about whether or not um, uh, Bitcoin mining is illegal in the United States. <laughs> not my own search history. I don't know who did it. I don't know what wow. they're planning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was super funny. Yeah. Well, you know, it's never too early to start thinking about those college funds. 
Yeah, and I don't even know. I think my phone was unattended for like three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so answering the most important questions first, because you know you have limited time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so somebody's up to something. I hope whatever it is, it's profitable. <laughs> Me too. And not illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least they're checking that. <laughs> Um, Should we move on to screen time in the news? Let's do it. You picked out a very good article this week. Um, We talked, we are talking about an October 14th article from Scary Mommy titled, We Can All Calm Down About Our Kids' Screen Time, Even the Experts Agree, by Alicia Beach. And it's kind of a compilation of some pandemic era reckonings with the way that we think about screen time. There were quotations from a Mother Jones article that had interviewed a couple of psychologists, I think, and then a New York Times article. This author pulled quotes from the New York Times article from a child development expert and somebody who had been, I guess, kind of a sanctimony about screen time before the pandemic and realized that she was coming at it from a point of personal privilege. What did you think about the article? Well, you know, I always love finding articles that reinforce my own practices. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that other people are finally recognizing that I've been right all along. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I really loved the little portion about some Sanctumami's realization that setting strict setting strict screen time limits does come from a place of privilege. I think that's something that we don't read about enough in these articles and we probably don't talk enough about in our wanderings through the world of screen time advice. Yeah, we we probably haven't examined that enough in our work together. That is Yeah, we need to plumb the depths of our our own our own privilege. That'll be that'll be fun. but we won't bore you with the intricacies of that right now other than to say it was a really interesting take that uh, we hadn't thought about I also loved the idea like kind of lumping in this whole screen time panic with like the general olds always panic about whatever the news are doing yes I loved that part too like the line with like the panic over Elvis's swiveling hips to our like panic over screen time was a really nice way to kind of step back and think oh no wait we've always been panicking about what our children are doing with their free time yeah like radio (laughs) uh I mean ancient Greek philosophers thought that writing was gonna ruin the young minds of children or young adults I also loved one of the quotes she included from one of the psychologists she interviewed, Amy Orban. She said, you can fight with your kids about too much screen time, or you can smoosh in next to them on the couch and ask, can I have a hug? Because again, it reinforces what we've been talking about a lot here, which is the importance of engagement when it comes to screen time and how that can do a lot to mitigate any of the shakily scientific ill effects. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good article, Katie. We'll post it on our social media accounts. 
Awesome. Well, you know, I have to ask since the Halloween season, as you hear this listeners will be officially over. Have you watched any other Halloween content? So Jeremy and the kids watched the Star Wars spooky special together on my recommendation because I knew they would like it. But I'm like towards Halloween, I couldn't even listen to like my favorite podcasts because they had scary ads. Or, oh no. I don't know. I I got too much of the spooky season. Like I'm over it. I don't oh. I don't like sp- you know, I don't like scary content. Okay, Deborah is ready for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Did you watch any of the other I mean, there was a lot of Halloween content. Did you watch there anything was. else? Yeah, we sat down and watched the Muppets Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Uh, and I was not prepared for how scared Jay was of that. He oh. was not a fan at all, which is funny because he has been on the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World and pretty much made it through that fine. I think maybe one of the problems is neither of my kids have a particular attachment to the Muppets. They watch yeah. them so rarely that like that wasn't like the goofy antics of the Muppets wasn't enough of a draw for them to like not be thinking about the scary aspects. Yeah. The other thing that we watched was a real throwback. We watched the 90s movie Casper. Do you remember that one starring Christina Ricci? Is it like the bald guy who like looks like albino-ish? Like it's not animated. That's that's powder. But they both do end in er, so good on you. Um, Casper is, uh, I think it started out as a comic strip, uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Okay. So the plot of this 90s movie is Christina Ricci and her dad, Bill Pullman, move into this haunted mansion. And uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost lives there with his three not-so-friendly uncles. I know one of them is called Stinky, but I really don't remember what the other ones are. It has that like early 90s CGI that could give you pause. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, like cartoon ghosts work perfectly fine with like antiquated CGI technology. Nice. Because they're supposed to be goofy to begin with. I would say the only things that the only things that really stood out as like, whoa, this is from a different time. Uh, were when several of the main characters that we had seen in the movie then became ghosts. Okay. And that is when the CGI was problematic. But other than that, it totally held up. And the kids thought it was hilarious. Oh, nice. I don't think I ever saw it. Um, I might go so far as to recommend it. I'm not sure where it's streaming because Kevin randomly had a copy of it. I don't know. Like a DVD um, of it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're old school, um, but it was, you know, Christina Ricci at her, like, most charming, like, mm-hmm. not too long after Wednesday Adams, probably in, like, in, like, the now and then kind of range. Okay. I want to situate it in time. I thought it was great fun, and honestly, I was prepared for the kids to like Muppets Haunted Mansion, but instead they liked Casper, which I guess I'm fine with. That's good. All right. So moving on to today's main event, we're moving away from the spooky stuff as requested by Miss Deborah. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are reviewing an Amazon Prime series. Guys, I know we've talked about Amazon Prime like twice in the past two months. This is bonkers. So the show is called Do Re Mi, and it's a preschool show that debuted on September 17th. 
There are currently six half-hour episodes that are divided into the classic two segments each. We're all familiar with that from other preschool shows. And they do also have a Halloween special that Amazon's excellent user interface refers to as season two, but it's just a Halloween special. Uh, We didn't watch that because we were kind of full up on Halloween content, but we will review the first three episodes of the series. So the show's creators are Michael Scharf and Jackie Tone, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing either of those names. They're also executive producers, along with Kristen Bell of Anna and Elsa fame. Uh, So Michael Scharf is a character designer and a writer, and it looks like this is his first big credit. Jackie Tone is, at least to me, best known as Melrose from the show Glow. You watched Glow, right? Mm -mm, No. No? Okay. Uh, Well, she also co-wrote the songs for the show. So setup-wise, Kristen Bell is me, Jackie Tone is Ray, and Luke Youngblood plays Doe. I should have read these credits the other way around (laughs) instead of going me, Ray, Doe. But grown-ups, I hope you can follow me here. Uh, So the only one that you might not recognize is Luke Youngblood. I looked up his credits. He played Lee Jordan as a kid in the Harry Potter movies. So the friends Do, Ray, and me are little birds, and they live in a town called Bebopsburg, where music is everywhere. Like, the houses are made of musical instruments. The roads are like piano keys. There's there's just music all around. So music grows in the forest, and according to Amazon's description, it can solve every problem. I am dubious, but (laughs) we shall see. So the birds learn the basics of music theory while having your typical preschool cartoon adventures. I realize I've started every sentence in this description with the word so, so you're welcome. It's been a while since we covered a preschool show, so we thought it was about time. We definitely panned Amazon Cinderella, so we thought we'd give them another chance. You panned Cinderella. Okay, yeah. No, you're so right. That was all me. So in that case, Deborah was really enthusiastic about Cinderella, and she thought, what other Amazon offerings can we check out? I am jazzed. And how could we say no to Princess Anna? So again, we watched the first three episodes me the first three episodes episode one the two halves were titled curious birdius and rain rain you can stay episode two best buggy blues and listen to your body and episode three just won't quit look at me little me so as usual we will give a quick summary of the individual episodes and then move on to our more general thoughts Deborah, would you like to take us through Curious Birdius and Rain Rain You Can Stay? Sure. So in the first part of this episode, Doe, he's an owl. He wants to investigate a sound that he hears, but he can't fly. So Dory and me use teamwork to get him to the top of the treehouse where woodpeckers are building a roller coaster. And then they use some more teamwork to finish up the roller coaster. That was one run-on sentence that was just the first half of this first episode there was so much going on because they have to like build this world and there were so many problems that they had to overcome but did they build the world deborah that is my question we're kind of thrown into the middle of this bebopsburg situation and there's really no explanation given I know. And then in the rain, rain portion of that first episode, the birds are planning a picnic 
but it's raining. Loud storms are scary, so they have it inside. The music portion, I guess, like singing together makes things less scary. Sure, sure. I also learned again that working together with teamwork can fix things. What did you think? It seemed pretty clear to me right off the bat that they couldn't really un- they couldn't really decide mm-hmm. if they wanted to do a preschool show that like your typical preschool show teaches kids how to deal with life lessons or they wanted to make a show that teaches kids about musical concepts and they tried to do both and I think maybe as a result neither worked yeah I have to say I read your description of the show when you sent it as something we could review and I was really excited and so I think I just went into it with expectations that did not match up with what I watched I would agree with you there. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more in our general thoughts. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to move on to episode two? Sure. All right. So we've got the first part, Best Buggy Blues. So Mii's pet lightning bug, Presto, goes on an overnight trip. And Mii's friends try to cheer her up when she's missing her best friend. I guess it's an episode teaching us about the blues, but they don't talk at all about what the blues are other than the fact that they are sad and they don't talk at all about the history of the blues which is you know a rich and unique American art form about which there's a lot to say Mm -hmm. they say none of that and then the second part listen to your body is all about the let's see is all about Ray who is a hummingbird and is always very busy and can't seem to stop even when she needs to take a break. She has a little crash, she bends her tail feathers and she needs to take a rest so her tail feathers can straighten themselves out. Um but she doesn't do that because she's a hummingbird and she suffers some minor consequences. I guess the musical lesson in that part is about what a rest is. And they do talk about it very briefly, that a rest is the part in music where you're quiet, but then they never address it again. So it's like, is this about resting your body or is it about rest in music? Because you're not doing either one very much service. Yeah. And I actually thought this above all of the rest was the most coherent music lesson agreed they were at least explicit about it so it was a step up from the pilot yeah and the song that they sung at the end where it was like cockatoos or something like they were very deliberate about showing the rest in the music so you can see the germ of the idea that they wanted this show to be Mm -hmm. i'm just not really sure it's come to fruition all right take us through episode three Okay, we haven't mentioned yet. I'm sure we'll get to it. So Doe the Owl can't fly. But in this episode, he tries to fly and tries to land. And then in Look at Me, Little Me, Ray, like, tries to be a flamingo. And they're like, yes, you're a great flamingo. I'm not really even sure what the preschool lesson was on this one. Like, you hit it out of the park on your first audition? Okay, thanks, Kristen Bell. All right, moving on. That's not... Yeah, and I think my my attention was waning, mm-hmm. but I don't think that was the only reason why I didn't have a solid takeaway of the plot of this episode. Yeah, so the song, so Ray auditioned to be one of the flamingos, and so she got a special solo to sing while the flamingos were dancing. And the reason that the flamingos gave for choosing Ray to do the solo was that she had such great pitch 
And then they explain that pitch is when you can sing both high and low. But then the song she proceeded to sing did not really showcase that much of a range at all. I know. And that isn't really what pitch is. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I think they could have used some more consultants because it read like someone who is musical just going off of what they knew about music which without thinking very deeply about the actual definition of those concepts does that make any sense yeah yeah all right I think you can guess our opinions dear listeners but did you like the show Deborah? I mean I loved the concept Mm-hmm. that I read about before I watched the show. I yes. think it's a great concept. Um, there were aspects that I liked. I mean, I think a show involving birds where each bird has sort of its own personality based on what we as humans perceive the bird world to be like is clever. Um, I thought the music was good. I liked the songs. So the birds have like a little musical note tattoos or like you know what in the my little pony world would be referred to as a cutie mark they have like little little musical notes and when i first saw them ray the hummingbird that moves really fast has eighth notes and i thought oh well that makes sense like me must have a quarter note because she's like the even keeled one Mm -hmm. and then doe would obviously have a half note or a whole note and it's some commentary on like how they live their lives. It is not. Yeah. Even like fairly obvious signifiers were not picked up on. Yeah. So concept, wonderful execution of concept. Fell short short of my expectations. Yes. Agreed. Um, So glad to see a preschool show with an original concept. It's not based on a toy. It's not based on anything we've seen. I think our expectations were just too high for Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime. Oh, we should have considered the source. I know. Well, Amazon Prime has some really good grown-up shows that are totally underrated, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people just aren't talking about the good stuff on Amazon Prime. And I I don't know, like maybe because Amazon is so huge, they don't really have to play up their original programming. But their kids' stuff is not that good. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is the beginning of a new push. And, you know, we're here for it. We're always here for more and better content. But this does not fall into the better bucket. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I keep listening to see if an actual human is on the line. They are not. Um, I forgot about the Disney hold. Oh, my gosh. I, We've been recording I'm, for half an hour. Yeah, still nothing. Okay. And this is and you were already like an hour into your hold when we started recording. Yeah, their estimated wait time was like two and a half hours. Guys, <laughs> Disney, I I don't know. It's a whole other thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> Cast and characters. Uh, of the birds, or maybe of the auxiliary characters, um, which we saw very little of, was there anyone that you particularly liked or didn't like? Okay. Ray is a hummingbird. Hummingbirds, inherently annoying. Anybody with that energy level is going to be annoying. I mean, hummingbirds are like the insects of the bird world. Ooh coming down with some hummingbird smack (laughs) ordinarily i would agree with you uh in preschool shows when they always show like the one hyper friend just to like show a full spectrum of how kids can be that is always the kid that annoys me Mm -hmm. and yet for some reason ray was the bird that i liked the best oh that's funny (laughs) 
That's funny. Um, And also, I don't want to sound ableist, but I'm afraid I'm going to be. Like, why can't Doe fly? Because he's scared. Is it just... Okay. It's just fear. Uh, Yeah. I think that that is the primary personality trait they've given us so far is just that he's kind of a chicken. But he's an owl. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Poor choice of words. Uh, is that he's afraid of things like flying and like thunder and most of everything. But in the very first episode, he builds a lot of contraptions to like get himself to the top of the tree. And I would not trust like a single vine to carry me up a very tall tree. He, I mean, he's very, he has a lot of trust in his own inventions. Like in that sense, he's very brave. Things that are way dangerous, yeah. way more dangerous than flying. And he's not at all afraid of those things. Yeah. So again, concept, fine, execution, poor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the look of the show in the animation? The color palette was very bright, arrestingly so, one might say. And the animation was kind of your standard for these days computer animation look. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought that, again, using birds, which as a... You know, the whole many spectrums of birds there are in that genus of uh-huh. living creature is, uh, you know, there's like wild possibilities. Like a flamingo is so different from a hummingbird. It was fun to see all of them represented um, in animated form. I did like the color palette. It was very busy. That was maybe the best thing about the show was the look of it yeah but I kind of wish they had gone more into the design maybe just because I like a lot of world building and a lot of explanation Mm -hmm. but um I wanted to know more about Bebopsburg and like why were the houses shaped like guitars and like what all the different aspects of the world were it reminded me a little bit do you remember when we reviewed doozers yeah I felt like that world was a lot more fleshed out and maybe that was just because we both had some familiarity with doozers from watching Fraggle Rock Mm -hmm. but as far as their whole identity being built around the fact that they did construction and that they needed these radishes like it was a simple concept and you could see how everything was designed around that Mm-hmm. And it was explained in a way, but Bebopsburg didn't have that kind of backbone, I didn't think. Right. Not that all preschool shows need this, but if they're going to keep my attention, they're going to need it. Because you said your attention was drifting by the third. My attention was drifting by the second half of the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not one made with grown-ups in mind, I do not think. What did you think about the music since the show is ostensibly all about music? I thought the songs were cute and catchy. I, of course, this is all just about my expectations not matching what I watched. I wanted it to be more instructive. I wanted there to be more solid music theory mentioned. But if this were just a show about birds and their problems and how they solve them, I would have been satisfied with it. What did you think? For a show that was all about music, I was kind of disappointed that nothing was really an earworm. Nothing stuck mm, with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I I guess when it comes to like musical hooks for toddlers, you always got to come back to Daniel Tiger. Right. Because those stick with you so well. And I don't know if they just like hit the jackpot with people who were really good at writing these simple melodies. Um. 
with very simple messages and like no other shows can match that talent. (laughs) But uh, the music just wasn't up to snuff for a show that was all about music. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did like the little blues riff. It was cute, but then it was coupled with my immense disappointment in the fact that they weren't using this as a teaching opportunity about the blues. (laughs) Right. That was probably the best song. And that was one that Kristen Bell sang, right? Yeah. I thought all of the actors were talented. All of the singing voices were nice. Oh, yeah. No one sounded bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, just again, so many missed opportunities. Um, so it was a return to our half-hour show divided into two segments. Did you think that was an appropriate length or structure? Would they have been better able to meld their um, basic preschool plot with the whole music theater concept if they had used the whole half an hour to tell one story which is so against how most preschool shows are developed yeah maybe a half hour episode would have allowed them to go like deeper into the music theory but I feel like maybe the music theory part was part of the original pitch and then it just got you know by committee lost somewhere and they should have just lost it all together I don't know. What do you think if they had kept the two segment structure, but just had both pieces centered around the same musical theater concept? So you get a different story. You're not trying to like follow complex thought, complex plot threads, but you are maybe getting some reinforcement of, you know, what a rest is. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I just didn't even think that, okay, so I'm just going to go back. So the first episode was like defining like a beat. Yes. But then I'm not even sure what the second episode was. It was just about singing together. Like that's not really a music theory concept. Yeah. What if the whole first episode had been about rhythm? What if they had had like in between both episodes, like a little interstitial thing? Yeah. With like an actual, like just a 60 second long lesson about rhythm, that would have helped gel it all together. Right. And don't do it like Creative Galaxy style where they're like, parents, get out your 80 tons of at-home craft supplies and musical instruments to do this lesson. They could just be like, here's how we clap. Clapping, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, you didn't know this was our backdoor pilot to our musical theory show. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I thought was weird about the structure of this was that there are only six episodes, which to me, I mean, it might just be an accident. Like maybe they had COVID production issues or something. But to me, it reads as like prestige kids TV. Like they just devoted so much to the development that like, they really wanted to give us quality, so they only gave us six episodes, and then the quality just wasn't there. Yeah, like the chair on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was watching this, I was watching it on the iPad, and Tony really wanted the iPad. And so he was just like, how can you watch this? This is terrible, because he's like wa- looking over my shoulder just to see how much time is left in the episode, so he can just do whatever he wants on the iPad. Um, But he pointed out... <laughs> Like, how come there are 101 seasons of this show? It's so bad. How could they make 101? And I was like, I don't know why it's saying 101. It's just the first season. Amazon's interface is 
awful. Yeah. Awful. Again, like I said, the Halloween episode is its own season. And also, like, separately, when you look up shows on Amazon, the different seasons show up by themselves. Like, you just can't have a landing page for a show. You have to have a landing page for the American season three as well as season four. Mm. I guess I haven't spent that much time in Prime to notice that problem. Yeah, it's been a while. I've I don't use them for much anymore. Yeah. Now that the supply chain is all jacked, maybe Prime shipping isn't even worth it. <gasps> Should I get rid of Amazon Prime? You know, I canceled mine a long time ago, but then two weeks later, Jeremy signed up. <laughs> <laughs> Way to stand strong. All right. Should we move on to our evergreen questions? Let's do it. All right. What movie or TV show for grownups did you compare Do Re Mi to? I can't wait. This was hard. I was kind of thinking of Glee. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. But that's not fair to Glee. It's also not fair to grownups. Is that a show for grownups? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess I was a grownup when it came out and I enjoyed that's true. it. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh, you go. Okay. So. In the early seasons that we had available in the U.S. of The Great British Bake Off or The Great British Baking Show, whatever you care to call it, they would have like a brief educational like interstitial within the episodes about like the history of a particular dish. Um, And I loved that. They don't do it anymore. Maybe it wasn't popular for non-nerds, but it's The Great British Baking Show. Who is not a nerd who is watching it? I ask you. Uh, But that's what it reminded me of, because that's kind of what I wanted from the show. Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? Okay. So you know how preschool shows really belabor the point of teamwork and how getting along is important. You know, the more we can work together, the better things are. I want a grown-up show about how so, how sometimes teamwork is not the solution and like decision by committee it doesn't always produce the best results i want a show about curmudgeons doing things on their own and singing about it and i want david diggs to be in there i want jonathan croft i want audra mcdonald and i want bridget everett Yes, this sounds amazing. My first thought was, can we make it about library school? But then I was like, oh, no, it clearly needs to be about the dysfunction of American democracy. (laughs) I mean, you could apply it to, I mean, it could be like an anthology series. You could start with libraries. You could move on to the legislative process. I really love that. (laughs) How about you? Were you able to cast the Gritty HBO reboot? All right, yours is better than mine, but I was not able to get Kristen Bell out of my head. Mm -hmm. And this is not the first time that Kristen Bell has been a member of a dynamic trio on a television show. She was also a member of a trio on the truly horrible prestige cable show House of Lies. Did you ever watch this show? I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast just because I'm still shocked that I watched the whole thing. No. Okay. This is sounding familiar now. All right. So it's about the cutthroat world of management consulting. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple seasons, Deborah. I watched multiple seasons. Uh, And it's Kristen Bell, and she is one of three underlings 
who are overseen by their boss, Don Cheadle. So I guess Don Cheadle would have to play the role of Maestro Moon, which is a character in the show that we didn't even bring up because it was just so random. So the moon is always out in Bebopsburg, (laughs) even during the day. And uh, occasionally she has a baton and she directs them in the music that they're singing. So that would be Don Cheadle, obviously. And then Kristen Bell can go ahead and play me, as she does. And then the hummingbird would need to be played by Ben Schwartz, because he plays one of the other three on this show, and he kind of has that manic energy to him. Mm -hmm. And then the other is an actor that I had not seen in anything else and still haven't, uh, but he's called Josh Lawson, and I guess because there are three of them, he would have to be Doe. (laughs) And he's kind of the dopey one of the trio anyway, so I guess that (laughs) makes a little bit of sense. So there you go, House of Lies recast as a music show for children. That sounds good. (laughs) Do you think it was better when we were kids? Yes. Preschool shows were paced at a reasonable speed for developing young minds. We didn't even talk about the pace of this show, and it was so fast. (laughs) They tried to cram so much into 20 minutes. Right, and yet it still felt slow to the grown-ups watching. And... It wasn't really like it was trying to be an instructive show, and I don't think it was a appropriate or effective method for teaching anything. Can you think about explicitly musical shows from when we were kids, like for the preschool age? Um, I mean, I'll, I can think of like a lot of little segments on Sesame Street that were musical, right. but I can't think of a show. Yeah, the only ones I could come up with were Gem and the Holograms, which was maybe pitched a little older, and it wasn't like a music education show. But then the other one, you might be too old for this, even though there's only a couple years between us. Did you ever watch Sharon, Lois, and Bram's Elephant Show? Yeah, I was too old for that, but I watched it. Skinnamarinky Dinky Dink. Mm -hmm. Um. Side note, I sing Skinnamarinky Dinky Dink in almost every music class that I teach. And I always do like the big finish that they did on the elephant show. And it just goes to show how young parents of children are now because they never they never get it. (laughs) (laughs) But I have such fond feelings of fond memories of watching that show as a child and I like to think it was better than Do Re Mi. Oh yeah. Let's uh, bring back the who was it? Sharon Lois and Bram? Sharon Lois and Bram. Yeah. Bring back like weird folk trios just randomly having television shows. <laughs> Get back on it Canada. You were really good with this. So I think I know the answer to this, but would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, and my kids are definitely not going to watch it. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Ten seconds on whether or not this is good for our kids? I guess I don't think it's bad, but you could probably find other preschool shows that would be more entertaining, more educational if you want to teach your kids about musical styles, I mean, the Backyardigans are a great hit. And um, that Motown show that we watched. Oh, yeah. Motown Magic. Netflix. The Backyardigans are, I think, on Paramount Plus. And then there's 
is it Little Einsteins? The one where they fly around in the spaceship and then at the end they have like a little classical music phrase that they spell out for you. Mm-hmm. So there you go, listeners. Three better options right there. Watch those instead of this. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings? Two? Yeah. Oh, I kind of hate to do it. Amazon, I want to give you chances. You just keep spoiling them. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. Find us on all the socials like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime2. Please send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or just your general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye.